Good morning, and welcome into the Blitz live on Fan Run Radio, live in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Monday, March 6th, Charlie Collier and Sam Beard with you for the next couple of hours, getting to your lunch break, helping you start the week. March beginning to hit full swing, full madness, full mayhem. As we uh, had conference tournaments roll along over the weekend, had the final weekend of the regular season as well. And um, now we now we've, we 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 fully enter conference tournaments where We're here. There is no team in America right now guaranteed more than two games. No team in America is guaranteed more than two more basketball games the rest of their season. It's officially Brandon the best Miller time. Miller in Alabama, hey, they're only guaranteed two more games. Zach Eady in Purdue, they're only guaranteed two more games. Kobe Brown, Missouri, they only got two more left. Bryce Hopkins at Providence. Ah, I mean, at this point, I'm only guaranteeing them one and a half more. <laughs> Why do they get half less? I don't know, man. Providence is... They're only going to show up for one half of their second game? They're getting too much credit, Yeah, I think, from a resume perspective. After they've lost they've lost back-to-back at the dunk, they've gotten blown out after not having lost there in over a year. Their resume doesn't look great. Say If they lost their first Big East tournament game, I don't know, maybe it could get a little bit iffy for Providence. But then I guess you remember how bad the bubble is this year, and you go, well... All right, fine. You know what, Providence, you're probably guaranteed still two more games. Kennesaw State, they're guaranteed another game, baby. Oh, yeah. They punched their ticket yesterday. Did you have Kennesaw State or Liberty? I had Kennesaw State. Okay, okay. Out of boy. My futures are going well so far. Yeah? Yeah. I had Drake. I had Kennesaw State. I had um, UNC Asheville. UNC Asheville. All at plus money. Nice. All none of them were the favorites, so I had them all. I had futures on all of them to win conference tournaments. I still have a Northern Kentucky one alive. I lost a Southern Miss one, um, but I still have a South Alabama one alive too. They were the eight seed in the Sun Belt. They play in the championship game tonight. They got a chance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who are they playing tonight? Uh, Louisiana. Okay. Yeah, they're the Raging Cajuns. They're a one-point favorite. Louisiana. Louisiana. Fast. How about those, those Lady Vols? Those commercials. Yeah, how about those Lady Vols? 17-point comeback My in the goodness. half against Louisiana State. They really, I mean, they even fought I thought fought pretty hard yesterday against South Carolina. Just, yeah. Just Kept not good enough to half. beat them. But, like, I was blown away. I I, I, I I was busy Saturday night, but I'd kind of like kept some tabs on the score. And I was like, oh, yeah, Lady Vols are getting blown out. Fire Kelly Harper. This team disappoints me. Then the next thing I know, I got an ESPN alert. Falls complete 17-point comeback, the yeah. largest in SEC tournament history. Just like that. I hope it didn't preserve Kelly's job too much. I hope that she's still judged critically after the season. 
Still not a still not a Kelly Jolly Harper coach fan. I'm a I'm a big fan of the of, of the human being of the person. Still not a huge fan of her as a coach, even if she did beat LSU. But what a win! Maybe uh, probably not, but maybe we can get in the Elite Eight this year. Yeah, I don't know. This is when we need Andy. I'm not as I'm not as like well, well versed in our, us, in our, in our know, basketball probably, team. Uh, Andy would just tell us they're a Final Four team. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. I know last year when they played Louisville in the Sweet 16, or was it Elite Eight? Sweet, no, it was the Sweet 16. Whatever it was, they were they were only a, a five and a half point dog. And I know that Louisville minus five and a half is the largest sports wager I've ever placed in my life. Which is Come a funny on. one to have like your own <laughs> personal biggest bet be on a women's basketball NCAA tournament game against your own team. But that was free money. I remember I told so many people about that. I just knew so many people that were all just watching the same game. Like, don't really want to root against Tennessee. (laughs) You know, if they are going to lose, let's just make sure it's by six. (laughs) How was your weekend, Sam? Um, it was it was up and down. You know, up and down. Take me through the ups first. Okay. Well, the ups. I got to absolutely embarrass North Carolina again on a public stage. Some of my buddies, you, know, uh, you, you got to personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what were you? What were you? Well, doing? I was just. I've, I've got a. I've got a buddy that goes to North Carolina, and he was talking trash all week. And you know, I mean, I was too. I knew we were going to win, and then, uh, one of our buddies, Wyatt, ended up going up to Chapel Hill to visit him. And so, you know, after the after the win, I just had to let him know how tough of a how tough that must feel to, you know, go all the way up to Chapel Hill, North Carolina to witness a loss and like not be able to have fun on Franklin Street or whatever it is after that win. It's a shame. Um, but the the congrats pre- on on getting to watch UNC clinch their tournament fate. Yeah, I, I you know I asked the guy if I could place a, a UNC NIT futures bet. That team, that, that team's not winning the NIT, man. They got too much quit in them. I want to see uh, Detroit Mercy play North Carolina in the CBI. Antoine Davis would drop 50. <laughs> Antoine Davis versus Caleb Love. And Caleb Love would just be, like, so influenced by the volume of shots that Antoine Davis is taking that Caleb Love would just also take 30 <laughs> shots if those two played. I think that's exactly how that. If those game two would go. played, they're both going for fifty plus, and they're both shooting under thirty percent. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like you might if you're Baycott, if you're insert Detroit Mercy player here that's not Antoine Davis. Walk off he's the, the floor. only one I know. You're not getting the ball. I mean, you can hang out, like try to <laughs> get some rebounds if you want. But you're not scoring a point. You can box out. Maybe you can get a putback. Maybe. He's probably going to try and go back for yeah, that. Tip those too. long rebounds out, boys. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean. Always great to sweep North Carolina. I hate so much that you're a Duke fan. Yeah, it's all right. It's so gross oh. for you to sit here on Knoxville airwaves on a Monday morning in March, and the first thing that, out of your stupid little mouth is is, is the Duke Blue Devils. Got to let them know, man. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you like catfishing dudes on Tinder too, don't you? <laughs> you little freak. No. Um, for the bad in that storm. One of the cir- like a a breaker blew in our on our circuit box, and of course it's 
the outlets to my room. So like I can't charge my phone, my fan doesn't work, my TV doesn't work. So your power's out? Or? No, I mean not only in my room. Like the circuit blew just for my room. Hi, what what do you do now? I've just got we got to get a new breaker. But I've I mean I just got to call maintenance and everything, but it happened over the weekend, so like they couldn't really help. So I was just I mean, sitting there charging my phone in the living room at night and then like I don't know, it just kind of sucked. Pretty inconvenient. I mean, Ford houses, I feel like it's never easy to get anything accomplished there either. No. I don't know. Do you have a do you have a good landlord like No. No, no, they're terrible. I'm not going to I'm not going to drag their name through the dirt on the airwaves, right. but they're terrible. They usually are. Yeah. I mean, if if you're a Ford house landlord, you're probably not doing your best. Yeah, I mean, you probably don't like your tenants either. No. <laughs> just, I like I think it's it's a it's a two-way street. It's a mutually non-symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mutualism does not exist here. No. We don't live in the same ecosystem. It's just uh it's a game of like you have this crappy house that you refuse to fix or and, and we are dealing with all these issues and you don't want to fix our issues so we don't want to fix you. our issues because we're just going to have a bunch of parties and people over. Yeah, our house is getting torn down and so like in the fall a bunch of stuff was going wrong with our house and they were just like, yeah, like we're not they pretty much said in an email like yeah we're not fixing most of the things in your house like we're tearing it down and we're like oh great can we just can we live here free then <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying i don't know man so you just like might not get power for like a while in your room yeah i mean i'm gonna email them today if they don't if they don't uh email me back and i'm just gonna be like hey still don't have power it's beautiful yeah I thought about running, like, an extension cord from, like, the outlet in the hallway to my room. And I was like, oh, come on. You can go without TV for a little bit. But I did want to sit in my bed and watch some conference championship games. So, wait, when did it go out? On Friday or Saturday? Friday. Yeah. So, you really, yeah, all like weekend. A, yeah, all weekend. Yeah. How about you, Charlie? How was your weekend? It was busy. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, sorry, someone tweeted me the the uh the app is not working properly. Mm. That's not good. That is not good. I don't know what to do about that either. That is that's well li- beyond my... I was just about to say, it's a little beyond my technical range. Well, well beyond my technical range. Yeah, that is well beyond my responsibilities, capabilities, both. Unfortunately, I believe Nate's out of town, too, which is why there wasn't a three and out this morning. So I don't know if that's getting fixed quickly. I'm, I'll, I'll try my best. I'll see what I can do. Um, good weekend, though. Yeah, Friday night, I ended up... I meant to have a, a chill Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to just... Nice little chill Friday night, and uh, I was going to watch Rough and Rowdy, get some pizza, and then I was getting ready to go to the grocery store. My buddy hit me up, and he's like, hey, my brother's in town. Come to dinner with us. So I met his brother once, got along with him pretty well. I wanted to like hang out with him again, so I ended up going out to dinner with them. 
have a couple drinks at dinner, and the next thing you know, I'm agreeing to, you know, let's just hit the town. Uh, I'm in. So we go back to their place and pregame for a while and play some Guitar Hero and, and, and hang out. and That's always good. Guitar Hero. That's a good time. And we, wait, we were waiting for Andy <clears throat> waiting for Andy to get back. Let's go. From uh, from calling the, the Tennessee-Gonzaga game Friday night, but it was delayed, so mm. he was a little bit late getting back. But Andy came out with us, too. Let's go. We ended up hitting the town. I was, I was out to like 3 in the morning on Friday. I don't think I got back to my apartment until after 3, at least. That turns into a slow Saturday. Wasn't. Mm. No, got right back up. Was up by 9.30. That's a tough tough turnaround. And was going at it again by noon. But basketball going. Um, buddy came over. We just watched hoops. And then Saturday night, me and him and his brother went went to bull riding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how was the in the meerkat the meerkat experience of bull riding? So so sick. <laughs> so it's the shark cage, yeah, right? Yeah. It's uh, I'm gonna call it the meerkat experience. Yeah. It's it's called the shark cage. Well, so first of all, we got there like a little over an hour early. We got to go down on the floor. Behind the stage and behind the scenes, see all the trailers, see how they house all the bulls, see how everything's set up, all the equipment, go walk around on the dirt, like go up in the shoots and like meet some of the people. That was really cool. Then when the actual bull riding began, we got to go out, yeah, into that in, in the shark cage or Sam's dubbing it the uh, the Maricat experience. <laughs> and I don't know, there was probably like eight of us, seven of us. Oh, so it was pretty big. Yeah. But just, I mean, it's just like... Is it spacious? No. Okay. No, I mean, like I had to duck to get inside. Okay. Yeah, you had to like duck to get in, and then you just sit on these like folding chairs, and you're all just kind of bunched in there, seven of us, and the the PBR video guy, photographer, just you ate, chilling in there. That's kind of sick. I mean, the bulls come like right next to you. Yeah. Are you still confident you could be you could go for what'd you say three and a half seconds? Um, not on one of those bulls, which that was not <laughs> okay. the claim in the first place. I think it was. No, I said just I like you... find me in the. I said I think I described it as the amateur rodeo type bull is what I specifically requested. Not the two thousand pound behemoths. That were present in Thompson. I mean, Bowling I think Arena most rodeo bulls are the same size. No, dude. PBR bulls, dude. That is a tough, selective, like that's like the PGA Tour of bulls. I'm just looking for. Uh, do they do know, a combine little, of bulls? A weekend guy. I mean, it's a pretty serious process. Forty yard dash. I mean, if you, and if you're not cutting it, if you're not performing, you get cut out quick. <laughs> You know, these bulls are raised just a hey, one buck, you know, one buck a night, and you, you hit the road, and then you're out. They, they rotate. Are, it's not the same bull. How many bulls do they have on deck then? Well, I mean, if there are gonna be fifty-five rides that take place in a night, there's fifty-five bulls. The same bull never gets ridden more than once. But also, if there's a re-rack, if you know, if if a bull's not acting right. 
I mean, you got to have extra bulls too. So there are a lot of bulls there. Are they local bulls? No, dude, they're they're from all over the country. They're like the best in the country. We're not just like, all right, Knoxville, what do we got to offer bulls wise? No, dude, we got people driving in the best bulls from New Mexico, from Texas, trying to qualify for the bigger tournaments and get their status as a bull higher and higher. Like these bulls have rankings just as the the riders do. And then you have championship bulls that you bring out for the championship rounds and then even, you know, higher up, you have the championship bulls for the major events like the World Championships in Fort Worth or the one in Vegas, the Nashville Knockout. That's a major uh that's more of a tournament style, you know, bracket form in Nashville. Like that's when you really get your championship bulls, but it was sick. <laughs> it was so crazy. I mean, I was What was the longest ride? I mean, you had your, you had nine qualifying rides, maybe ten. I think it was nine or ten. So, I mean, once it hits eight, you know, they don't keep counting. You just have to get eight to have a qualifying ride, and then you have a qualifying ride, you get a score. If you don't, well, you don't get a score. Okay. But just being that close was – I mean, I've always, like, casually enjoyed bull riding. I'll watch it when I come across it kind of thing. Dude, the bullfighters are – that was, to me, the craziest part is the bullfighters. Those are some dudes to just take on bulls head on. Just run out there. I mean, like, they are – because their job is, like, if if they have to take the hit before the cowboy does. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, if the cowboy's falling on the ground and, you know, the bull turns when he didn't expect him to or something and he's going towards the cowboy, like, bullfighters step in front, take the hit. And, like, they had to do that a couple of times. But they're – I mean, those are some tough dudes. But the entire thing, man, it was just so sick. All of it was just so cool. I mean, they were – they were just massive. They, they They were so big. Um. Really enjoyed that Saturday night, and then yeah, just watch watch college basketball Sunday. Great weekend mm-hmm. all around. Only thing that could have made it better would have been a Vols win. Yeah, that at was this tough. point, honestly, kind of just it, it feels relieving that the regular season, like like there is a feeling of relief that kind of set in Saturday at around four thirty for me. That was just like, hey, we're out of the month of February. We're out of. Uh, this final re- month of the regular season, like you, you know, it was a disaster of an ending. Everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. It's over. Now you get to reset. You know, you get to move forward into this new season, and, and you can kind of throw some of these things out the window. But uh, Vols went went down to the plains and suffered a loss at the hands of Bruce Pearl's Auburn Auburn Tigers. So. We'll catch a break. We'll dive into that on the other side. Stay with us here on the Blitz. Some breaking news. Sam has made me aware of here uh, that is happening well now in the NFL. So uh, we'll get into this first. Still conflicting reports out there in terms of yeah, the nothing fi- official finality yet. here. Um. Essentially, though, what what feels certain is that the Saints have emerged as the front runners 
to sign former Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. And an agreement could be reached as early as today per league sources. Uh, there are others out there that have reported that this is already a done deal. Um, that Derek Carr is in the process of just you know getting everything signed, but he has already agreed to become a New Orleans Saint. But whatever the you know the case may be, about to already has probably will. It appears that Derek Carr is taking his talents down to uh, down to the Big Easy, mm-hmm. down in New Orleans, which a couple of I guess reactions first. What did Dennis Allen tell Derek Carr? Because the Jets told him that he could be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> they called him. I think they told him he could be the next Tom Brady, maybe. Probably, but uh, no. But uh, Derek Carr to the Saints. I feel like. I mean, they're still just in cap hell, right? But mm. you know, if 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 you think about quarterback landing spots, I mean, that's not a bad place to be. You're going to be in a division that is awful. It doesn't really have a lot of immediate hope for the other three teams. I mean, the Buccaneers, their starting quarterback is Kyle Trask presently. Um, the Panthers are probably going to draft Anthony Richardson and, and, and be in hell for another three years. The um, the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers... Who am I forgetting? I mean, the Falcons aren't going to do it. The anything. Falcons, dude. Yeah, they're they're so bad. I can't even remember they exist. <laughs> I actually feel like they're the only ones that also have a case to maybe get a quarterback. And maybe if they and, like and, trade for Lamar. Maybe. I mean, if they can get a quarterback, like maybe they can be a, a team too. Just because I still believe in some of their pieces and Arthur Smith. But right now, this division's up for the, up for grabs. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to hard reset to do it. Like you can grab a quarterback like Derek Carr if you're the Saints. And immediately win that division and start having home playoff games again. Don't have a ton of resources from a draft picks perspective. Don't have a ton of money. So I think a move like this makes a lot of sense for them to be able to compete right away. Obviously, some things up in the air with the Saints. You know, is what's Alvin Kamara's future going to look like? What kind of suspension could he face? We saw the video from his altercation that he is, is currently in legal hot water for in Las Vegas. And it was disgusting quite frankly i know that alvin Kamara, vfl all that good stuff but that was a a heinous thing to do it was a disgusting act by a human being to do that if you're alvin Kamara, and, and he deserves consequences like there should be and i think there might will be but you know you, you have a decent offensive line in new orleans you have um some younger weapons or at least chris alave you can add more to that and a defense that should be pretty good if they're healthy. It's not a bad spot if you're Derek Carr. You can go be a playoff quarterback again. Um, I think this is the connection we're looking for here. Dennis Allen was the Oakland head coach when the Raiders drafted uh, Derek Carr back in 2014. So there you go. I mean, Derek Carr, for what it's worth... It's a safe bet, it feels like. He did have the 32nd best combined EPA um, in in the NFL 
when it comes to defense and special teams of the teams that he's been on of in the last five years? That's not good. So I quite literally, in the last half half decade, <laughs> there has not been a, t- a quarter, or like there has been zero quarterback that has had it worse in terms of the the help around him from his defense and from his special teams than Derek Carr. Now he's been given Devontae Adams, and he's been given Josh Jacobs, and he's been given Darren Waller. And those are some luxuries a lot of quarterbacks haven't had, but he's gotten zero help from his defense or special teams. I don't think he's gotten much from his coaching either. And I think that from a roster-building perspective, even if they have given him Waller and Jacobs and Devontae Adams, they've also given him a lot of flawed pieces. I mean, the Raiders have messed up draft after draft. Arnett got cut. Ruggs went to jail. Leatherwood got cut. Uh Klein and Farrell cut cut yeah or they didn't pick up his option like they, they've drafted poorly terrible to say the least so maybe Derek Carr I, I this feels kind of to me like a situation where he gets into greener pastures and, and succeeds yeah I wonder if he uh Saw the offer that the Saints were given over there in the NFC South, and then was like, mm, "This Jets division isn't as isn't as pretty." Do I know? want to go compete with, with yeah. Josh Allen, or do I want to go, you know, likely win the division? Yeah, do I want to go be minus two fifty favorite to win the NFC South? Right. Fair. I mean, at that point in your career, you're trying to get in the playoffs and trying to win a Super Bowl. You're not. He's probably not trying to grind out a division championship. Really felt like. Really did feel like the Jets were the landing spot for Derek Carr this entire time. Surprised. I I guess he did visit New Orleans twice, but it just felt like there was a lot of buzz with, uh, with, with Derek Carr and the jets. So, you know, the other side of the coin, okay, the saints have their guy, but now if you're the jets, they're going to aggressively pursue a quarterback. They, they truly believe that they are a quarterback away from potentially, you know, overtaking the bills. You don't have to believe it, but they do, mm-hmm. which is why they wanted Derek Carr so bad, which is why they've been rumored to be linked to Ryan Tannehill, perhaps. But to me, this feels like a clear signal, okay, the Jets are really about to go all in to get Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Like, yeah. I think that's the other side of the coin is is maybe that's the, the move that the Jets are even stuck with unless they think Lamar could become available which I think there's still a possibility that he potentially hits the trade block. But Aaron Rodgers got out of darkness, what, a week and a half ago now? Out of his hobbit-like structure in the woods yeah, of maybe of Maybe less than that. So he's been out of the darkness a little bit. He's supposed to be making a decision soon. I think the people in Green Bay are getting pretty tired that he hasn't. Um. You know, that could time up for the Jets. They can, they can make this move for Aaron Rodgers, potentially. I think you're going to start seeing a lot of the quarterback dominoes fall now that you've seen Derek Carr go. Well, he gets to make the first move, you know, because he got cut. He's not tied into free agency and the timing of the new league calendar the same way. So yeah. he got, maybe even fortunately for him, he got to be that first domino. Mm-hmm. Um Still think, I mean, what, what the, the league calendar when everything can be, when all these moves can be made, that's another, what, like week, and then there's the legal tampering. But you know, Derek Carr will be the first domino, and yeah, shortly thereafter, I think. The You're next one. get the 
the franchise tags, I feel like, from the Giants. Yeah, I think the, the, the three biggest things now in the quarterback market that we're watching, the next up, so to speak, is does Lamar get tagged, traded, or does he hit free agency? Or re-sign or a re-sign, long-term deal? Yeah. Does Daniel Jones get tagged, or does he sign a long-term deal? And then what is Aaron Rodgers' future? Does he want to stay in Green Bay? Does he want to be traded? Does he want to retire? Those are the next three things in the quarterback market that I think we're looking for. And then from there, that's when the dominoes really start to just scatter everywhere. You get into trading draft picks for in, in drafting different quarterbacks, trading up in the draft, you know, inquiring about Trey Lance. I'm sure that's going to happen. Jimmy Garoppolo probably in the mix. Baker Mayfield in the mix. Like some of these different guys, you know, you get further and further down the line. But Derek Jordan Carr, Love. the first move, and then from there, more to come. What would you say? Jordan Love, if uh, Rodgers maybe tries to stay in, yeah. in Green Bay, I feel like he doesn't want to sit behind Rodgers for too much longer, so who knows? I think there's a couple young quarterbacks that may get a, a, a career reset this offseason, too. Maybe Zach Wilson on the move. Yeah. You know, Jordan Love, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, I could see all three of those guys potentially getting moved. Um, you know, in terms of trading for backups, maybe Gardner Minshew, this is the offseason he gets a shot somewhere. Someone wants to make a move for him. Probably not Tyler Huntley. You know, I don't think he did enough as the Ravens backup. Yeah, I thought if if he would have, he could have been a guy, but I don't think he will. But a lot of quarterback dominoes to fall, and it appears that Derek Carr is the first heading down to New Orleans. And I'll give it a B. Solid B for all parties involved. I'd agree with that. Catch a break, and then we'll be back on the other side. We'll actually then dive into Tennessee and Auburn. Stay with us here on The Blitz. Uh, updates on the Derek Carr situation. It's done. And it's a four-year deal. Four-year deal. Four-year deal for Derek Carr. A big number, too, apparently. Good for Derek Carr. Um, gets another chance. I, I I thought he would get more of like a short-term prove-it deal. So for him to yeah. know, earn four years, I think that They're shows a lot about his standing in the league. Again, I mean, he's been in a terrible spot in some regards. He's been in a division with... You know, at one point it was Phillip Rivers, then it was Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson was in there. Did he have any overlap with Peyton? Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he was in the Raiders yeah, no, at he 14, did. he definitely would have. Some Peyton overlap. Year. I mean, he's the AFC just in general being as good as it is, the bad coaching he's received. So good for Derek Carr. One of the first times he's getting a fair shake. We'll see how he does. Yeah, but I, I, again, I do think it is the, the division thing that had – decent influence yeah if you were spending as much time as you did with the elite quarterbacks in the afc west i'd want to go to the one where at least two teams don't even have a current quarterback one two um just saw this andy katz just dropped his new power 36 Mm -hmm. rankings ranking the top 36 teams in college basketball yes his top 10 uh, Houston 1, UCLA 2, Purdue 3, Marquette 4, Alabama 5, Texas 6, Kansas 7, Miami 8, Kansas State 9, and Xavier 10. Kentucky's hmm. at 12. Hmm. UConn 11, Duke 13. Where do you think Tennessee is? Um, 
I would say that we probably dropped into the 20s. I bet if we're you 22. Outside of the top 36, you'd be correct. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think that's a little disrespectful. I'd say a little bit more than a little, Andy Katz. Let me look this. Virginia at 21? Why are they not getting punished for Virginia's their... Virginia's terrible right now. Utah State, 36. Hofstra, 34. Penn State, 28. Just because they had a, a comeback one-point victory over Maryland. Great job. You're better than Tennessee. Yeah, not ranked Tennessee. His top 36 teams in the country. A projected three seed. Sorry, just not enough no, that's for, for Andy Katz. That just blew me away. Um, latest bracketology. ESPN has you as a three. USA Today has you as a three. Jerry Palm, the biggest idiot in bracketology, who also has uh, an anti-Tennessee bias, he has you as a four seed. SB Nation, don't really put a whole lot of stock into them. They have you as a four seed. The Athletic has you as a three seed. But 36 is... Outside the top 36, it's just a wild thing to, to do. Um, Tennessee this weekend, though, losing to Auburn down on the road. To me, it just felt like a weird game. Throughout, it just felt strange. You got outscored in the second half, 49-36. to 36, And I, I, I never really got the feeling that Tennessee was playing poorly. It, it just... The offense did stall out there at the end. Um, Auburn, man, they just... I don't want to just say they got lucky because they played really well, too. They did a lot of things well, but it also just felt like they were fortunate where when they... Every time they needed a big play, like, they'd find it. And Mm -hmm. it didn't always... It wasn't always, like, a high-level basketball play, but the results were always at a high level. I, I guess I'll say that. Like, they still did a lot of good things, but it was also like, man, they really just hit a perfect behind-the-back pass on, like, a tip-out straight to a dunk. Or, like, did he really just hit a step-back three from the corner over the top of, of the, the backboard? Like, did that really just happen? It, it was just some incidents like that. But in, in general, too, Auburn just played better than you. In, in the second half, you weren't able to turn them over enough, which I, I think we kind of saw that, you know, Tennessee's not really pushed the pace at all this year. Tennessee, even if they, you know, even when they do create a lot of turnovers, which this team has been able to, a uh, top defense in the country, even when they've been able to do that, they still have not really run out off of it a lot. And I don't know. Part of it, you don't know. With the health of, of Josiah Jordan James at times this year, um, the health of Julian at times this year, Julian Phillips, you know, I don't really think you have that like striding coast to coast, like take it himself in transition, kind of like forward or, 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 you know, bigger guard. I think you have some decent rim running bigs, but it's not like you have the best rim running bigs either. So maybe that's part of mm-hmm. 
why you don't push the pace, but I think that Tennessee is going to have to to try to push things a little bit more. I, I think they're going to have to try to find more offense in transition off of turnovers now that Zakai Ziegler's gone down. Because it can become, you know, you, you can stall out a little bit. You can get in those late game situations and it really buttons down and teams start switching on you and it gets tougher. Um, Janiah Broom, too, man, he, he, he really gave Tennessee's bigs issues. And, you know, Tennessee's now heavily reliant on the play of Urosh Plasvich and, and Toby Awaka and Jonas Adu and Olivier Kamwa. It just is what it is. A lot of your offense is going to have to come inside. Yeah, um, and I think to your point there, you know, you just don't really, you didn't get the best night from those four guys. And I guess that's just kind of with the current, you know, just how your team is, is looking right now. I think that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles a little bit. And it's kind of how you just got to, you just got to kind of take it. Um, you, you know, you see, you get four guys in, in double digits as a team. You shoot 47% from the field and 47% from three. You're on paper. You look at that and you probably don't think you're losing too many ball games. But you know, it, I agree. It was just kind of one of those games where you you look up and you're like, wow, they they hit a lot of timely shots and it just kind of didn't go our way. It felt like a game that Tennessee played well enough to win and yeah. they just didn't. Mm-hmm. And it, it was hard to fully explain why they didn't, other than. The offense just stopped working at the very end of the game. I, I mean, road and like we know how tough it is to win on the road this year. We know how tough it can be with with the injuries too. I mean, your first game without without Sakai Ziegler, it's an Auburn team that's giving you trouble, especially on the road. You know, again, it's it's the same thing we've said about uh, you know another loss or two that's coming this stretch in a vacuum. That loss to Auburn in itself, like that's not a bad loss. You were an underdog for a reason. You know, it, it is. It's really hard to get a win on the road in college basketball, especially against a desperate basketball team like Auburn. But the problem is, it's not in a vacuum. It's it's part of what's been a larger problem again, as the season has entered more of a, a free fall, so to speak. And I, I, that's where the concern is, and there's mm-hmm. plenty of concern around this team right now. But kind of talked about it in the opening. I really do think you see in a lot of situations teams that were good for a, a large portion of the year that kind of f- fade in February. I think you see them get an opportunity to reset mentally physically and just kind of snap and clear and start a new season and and get back to playing some really good basketball in March. You know, I think you see that a lot, even. It, it does really provide a great reset opportunity, and I think that's what Tennessee has. You know, from here until Thursday, an opportunity to just throw it out the window and say, look, second season starts now. Let's just regroup. Let's come together and let's, let's win some basketball games. I think you have that opportunity, and, you know, numbers back that up. Like, historical numbers say that there is a lot more predictive credence to teams' performances in November and December than there is in in February. If you're trying to predict uh, 
how a team is going to fare in March. Far and away, the greatest indicators are how a team performed in November and in December entering conference play and and where they were at in that midpoint point in the season. That is more of a predictive metric at this point than the team's February performance. I think a lot of times we get bought into – you know, who is the hot team? You want to be peaking going into March. And, you know, sometimes there is some truth to that, but at the same time, there are plenty of numbers that tell you otherwise. And that most important month, probably not February. So Tennessee, you know, they were that great team, and obviously things have changed. You know, they don't have Sakai Ziegler, but Tennessee still has the ability, in my opinion, to make – a run into the second weekend to make a run to the elite eight to maybe even take it further. They just also have the ability to, you know, to get beat in the first round by Colgate. Yeah. I mean, that's March madness right there for you. You know, I think that's anyone, but I think you can also kind of give it like, you know, like you're saying it's, um, when you're kind of at the end of the at the end of the year here, and you can kind of start your second season, it's almost those teams are almost just as dangerous as those teams that are that are peaking at the right time going into the tournament. I think because, like you're saying, you know we've got a a team with with talent on paper and that has shown that they can win big games this season, but they've just been inconsistent at times. Uh, I think that I think that's kind of a you know, a little bit of a freeing thought maybe that, you know, you just go out there and you play loose and you got nothing to lose now. You just gotta you just gotta step out there and just have some have some confidence. Anything can happen out in there in March. You can make any run. And, you know, I, I think with a team that's seen seen the big wins this year, if they just get a little bit of momentum going and see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, I think it I think they could they could make a run like you're saying, Charlie. So it's not over, but just a another head scratching loss. And you just hope we don't have a head scratch head scratching sputtering out in the SEC tournament. I think the SEC tournament's a big a big precursor to how we how we'll play in the NCAA tournament. I don't even know if if it is honestly. I mean, you won it last year. What did that get you? You know, you, you, you made a run to the finals in back-to-back years. What did that get you? I mean, I just think without Ziegler, like, we'll find out a lot about the identity of this team. I think it's just more important to, yeah, just to get more games under your yeah. belt than anything. Yeah. Um, Tennessee, the second favorite to win the tournament. Alabama, a 34.8% chance of victory, according to Ken Palm's projections. But Tennessee, 287 so they're the second favorite still to win. Predictive Matrix still love the Tennessee Vols. A&M, third favorite, a 12.1% chance. Um, Tennessee's first game coming Thursday, obviously. Not the ending that I think you hope for when you enter the month. Number two in the country, hoping to win the SEC, and you, you leave the month. Play not even with the double bye, you know, playing playing on that Thursday as the five seed. You get the winner of Ole Miss in South Carolina. God, God forbid you lose that game. So you know you should win that one 
which would set you up with the game with Missouri, which then on Saturday could see you play Alabama again. Don't think this is a terrible draw. I mean, again, I think optics-wise, it just kind of sucks to be that five seed. Mm. But, I mean, you should get right into that quarterfinal game. You get a chance to avenge a loss against Missouri, and then you get an Alabama team that has really been sputtering down the stretch ever since the Brandon Miller drama kind of seemed to shake that team up. You get a chance to notch a second win against Alabama, and then if you do, SEC championship game. I think if you get to the SEC championship, you're guaranteed a three seed. And if you win it, I still don't think a two seed is necessarily out of question just with how inconsistent everything else has been. Alabama, Kansas, Houston, Purdue, UCLA, and Texas think are all going to be above you no matter what at this point. Probably Arizona too. But Baylor, Marquette, Kansas State, Gonzaga, to me, are all still catchable. If you perform really well in the SEC tournament, I think you can still pass those schools back up on the seed line and and get things back up to a high three or, you know, probably not, but maybe still a two. Again, probably not. Probably a three at this point. Projected 14 seeds that you could see right now. One of them we just saw win the Atlantic Sun yesterday, Kennesaw State. Mm. <laughs> Others projected right now, Louisiana Lafayette, who tonight plays in the Sun Belt Championship game. UC Irvine, the favorites out of the Big West, but barely. Uh, a good defensive team. They don't really provide a ton offensively. I think that would be a good matchup for Tennessee. I don't even really th- – you know, I think Louisiana would also be a pretty decent matchup for Tennessee. Furman – out of the SOCON, they play UTC tonight in the SOCON championship game. That the other projected 14 seed is over on Bracket Matrix. Furman, I think, they do some things that could cause Tennessee some issues. I think they're the kind of team that can, the way that they shoot the three, the volume that they shoot the three, Provides upset potential, obviously, but also could easily shoot themselves out of a game against a top defense like Tennessee. But they would be out of that group of Louisiana, UC Irvine, Furman, Kennesaw State. They would be the team I'd least want to see. Colgate, I think, also in play for that 14 seed. And that's the team I really don't want to see. Colgate. Colgate. Yeah. Just because I've been preaching Matt Langley and Colgate for so long now that it would only make sense that they would finally break through and get an NCAA tournament win against my team. They've been into the tournament a couple years in a row now, right? Yeah, I mean, they almost beat Tennessee as a 15 seed uh, at one point just because they are – their issues have been defending. Uh, They just lack the athleticism sometimes to defend some of these high-seeded opponents. Um, That's really where they've run into issues. But what they do do is make everything. <laughs> Literally, like, every three that they've ever shot, I think, Sounds has like gone in. Sounds like a terrible matchup for Tennessee. Because <laughs> I don't think, especially without Zakai, you know, it, you're not as well equipped to, like, 
out athlete them, take yeah, them just off the dribble, blow by people. I mean, I think you're you could power them inside. Like I think you could score a million points in the paint against them, but you know, threes are worth more than two. So if they match that with a really well, a really nicely timed three point shooting game, you know, I could see some issues arising, and and that's not just specific to Tennessee. Colgate will break through in a tournament eventually the, if Matt Langley stays on as their head coach. So I, I wouldn't want to play the Raiders either, but hour one done. Hey, if you want to call in, let your voice be heard for hour two. At Big Orange Philly phone lines are open, 865-546-8200. But hour one done. Hour two's on deck. Stay here with – that was bad. Just send us a break.